everyone. This is Leslyn Keith. I'm president of the board of directors at the Lipidema Project and director of research. Welcome to Living Well with Lipidema. Today, I have an excerpt from an interview with Jono Proudfoot from the Lipidema and Keto Worldwide Summit that was held in 2017. Jono is a chef and a banting expert in South Africa. He talks about the birth of the banting diet and how this way of eating has gained popularity. He talks about how patients are taking control of their health and educating their doctors. In the late 1800s, I think it might have been 1886 or so, there was a famous British undertaker who used to handle the burials for the royal family, um, a very well-to-do wealthy guy. And he was so obese that he started losing his hearing and he had to walk backwards downstairs and he, he had tried everything he could to lose weight and he, he just couldn't. And there was a guy called Dr. William Harvey who had just come from a, I think it was actually a diabetes conference in France. And Dr. Harvey had helped William Banting with a whole lot of other conditions. And Banting said to this doctor, listen, man, I actually just can't handle being overweight anymore. Please help me. And Harvey prescribed this diet to Banting and Banting started losing weight. And it was essentially the very first low-carb, high-fat diet. Um, there are a few changes to the original diet. Like he did prescribe sherry. He said that you can't eat pork. He also encouraged him to eat two rusks in the afternoon every day. So William Banting then wrote this book called The Letter on Corpulence, which was a very short book, but it got published internationally and it was a bestseller. And it was essentially the very first diet book that was ever published. And it was so famous that up to about the mid or to late 1920s and 30s, people still referred to being on a diet as Banting. And you can see references to the Banting diet. In fact, an adaptation of the Banting diet is actually the drinking man's diet, which I think came out in the early 1930s. And it's gotten to the point now in South Africa where patients are educating their doctors and actually treating themselves. And that's an amazing thing, but it comes with a whole lot of risks because patients can administer the incorrect treatment to themselves as well. So we've got this you know, double-edged sword where it's so empowering for people to question their doctors and get the right advice. And I think that's the part that doctors are really appreciating because you know, being sort of governed by pharmaceutical companies and medical guidelines, I think is quite frustrating for a lot of them. And having patients just have these amazing results is obviously quite moving for the doctors. And so by eating real food, I think the reason it's different to any other diet is that people feel like they're part of something bigger, that no one can mess with them. You know, you know if you were breaking the law, you would feel bad. But at the moment, all these people are basically flipping the bird to big pharma just by eating better and making themselves feel better. So it really is a revolution because people are able to revolutionize their health, but really enjoy it. It's not through restriction. It's through eating really delicious food. And I think that's why it went so viral in South Africa. I don't know if it's ever reached this point in the States where people sit around the dinner table and talk about it. But in South Africa, people started, in fact, it's developed a bit of a cult-like stigma because everyone spoke about it and still speaks about it so much. But everyone wants to be part of this uprising against authority. And I think it's actually given people a voice, you know, to go to your doctor and say, you know, all your advice was wrong and look at how thin I am. Um, 
you know, and I've taken total control over my health. It's really powerful. And I think that that's why uh, doctors are so terrified. But it's very difficult to comment on it from the inside because we just, you know, we still don't understand why it worked so well. Um, in fact, we, I mean, me and my team are endlessly looking at ways to continue driving that kind of passion for the brand and passion for the movement. And it's just this zeitgeist that's just taken over. I feel like it's got people at a really emotional level, especially if you've lost family members to diabetes and cancer. And I'm going to avoid getting too medical, but when you lose someone close to you and, and you realize that you could have saved them just by eating delicious food, and that's something that every single person on earth can do. Everyone on earth can eat, can make or cook delicious food. You know, that's really powerful. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to have a fatty meal. That was such a wonderful interview with John O'Proudfoot. Really a delightful talk. We really appreciated him joining us for our Worldwide Summit in 2017. And thank you to all of you, our listeners. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Living Well with Lipedema Flash Briefing.